0: You're listening to... No, that's not real. You're listening to The Heidi Roo Show. Yeah, that's better. Inspiring. Entertaining. Real. The Heidi Roo Show.
1: Let's get this party started. Fabulous. <laughs> so I'm here with Parker Wallace today. Parker is a culinary and lifestyle expert, um, but she was also a reporter, too, before this, and she has appeared on all kinds of shows all over the country, including The Weather Channel, The Better Show, which is a nationally syndicated show, The Daily Buzz. She's also creator of Parker's Plate, which is a website featuring recipes that she's come up with and tips, and not only that, but she's an author of Eat Rich, Stay Skinny, a Girl." Guide to holiday feasting, and there are so many great recipes in there. They look so amazing. So I thank
0: you. It just occurred to me I should have brought breakfast and mimosas. (laughs) Oh my
1: god! Well, we'll just reschedule the podcast then. (laughs) So Parker, I want to know for for myself, but then everyone else. How did you go from like reporter to realizing? Oh wait, I can combine my passion of cooking and creating recipes. To create this whole business?
0: Well, the short answer is I got fired (laughs) twice from the same local TV (laughs) station (laughs) and an assortment of other places. So, um, back in 2006, I signed on to be a reporter at um, a local station here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And when my contract was coming up in 2009, this was like right when the recession was in full bloom. And I was doing the morning shift, getting up at 2 in the morning and exhausted all the time. i put on 20 pounds because you're starving all day when you're getting up in the middle of the night because your circadian rhythms are so messed up. Everything's so weird, yeah. And so when I was told by the news director at the time, well, we're not going to renew your contract. And I'm like, oh, Why? We're moving in a different direction, like the yeah, worst. I
1: hate that. That's like the, the worst same line thing of all like, time. Yeah, yeah, it's not you, it's me. Yes.
0: <laughs> so I popped open a bottle of champagne and I was like, "Heck yeah, I'm out of here. I don't want to do this anymore." Right. That was the first um, rookie mistake in in terms of not looking at the current economic element of what was going on at mm-hmm. the time. And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to launch a personal chef business. It'll be fine." I yeah. had no idea what the heck I was doing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, uh, <laughs> cashed in my uh, 401k and went through that puppy in about two months. Whoa. And then I was like, oh, it's like real. My guy JP will be celebrating 10 years next month.
1: Oh, congratulations. Thanks.
0: Um, it was like, you know, year one in the, of the relationship. And all of a sudden we went from like, you know, dinners at Rathbun Steak to, oh gosh, uh Let's go get unemployment and food stamps. And it was real, real for a long time. Mm. Um, Mm. One of my now favorite stories to tell, when people are like, I'm so broke and it's really hard. And I'm like, try going to apply for your EBT card and have the lady at the counter go, oh, are you here to do a news story? I was like, oh, "Uh, Parker. No, actually, I'm here because I'm broke AF, (laughs) you know. Oh, my gosh. So – um. So talk about a humbling few years there. And so I was waiting tables. um, And at the time, I was like, well, I wanted to go to culinary school, but I didn't have the cash. Mm -hmm. So um, I was working at the Atlanta Fish Company. And Chef Bobby, who is still there and was such a mentor to me because I was like, why am I going to pay to go to culinary school when I have this amazing chef who could teach me? Yeah. So I would come in on my days off and shadow him unpaid like off the clock so i could learn and um he was amazing taught me so much he'd Mm. have me in my winter jacket in the freezer section like (laughs) like you know using huge pliers to pull bones out of a salmon you know it was amazing um and so it was really the first time that i truly thought to myself okay you know if you really want to make something happen in the food world whether it's starting the blog or doing television segments, you got to keep it real and really put some hard work and some passion into it because it's mm. not just going to happen. No one's, no one from the Food Network was just going to scoop me up. Right. Like, oh, hi, <laughs> I've done some TV and I really like to make brownies. You know, mm. not going to happen. So um, to make a very long story <laughs> short um, – I went from, you know, slinging some clam chowder and working in the kitchen when I could to getting a job uh, as a political reporter for Georgia Public Broadcasting for NPR. Oh, wow. And and then I got hired back at the station that initially didn't renew my contract to come back and work in the commercial division in the sales portion where I was producing content for businesses that were buying for the airtime. And so I was like, well, let's start a cooking segment because those are sponsored, right. you know. And that's how I launched Parker's Plate. But the sales department wasn't as motivated as I was to get the <laughs> sponsorship. So I started kind of – because I couldn't put it on the air unless it was Unless sold. it was sponsored. Yeah. Sure. So at the time, I didn't negotiate, you know, commissions into that because I didn't know that that was even going to be an option. And so I was bringing in some money to the TV station – actually, a lot of money – and <laughs> – And I wasn't getting compensated for that, but I was getting the Parker's Plate segment on the air, which Mm. was what was most important to me at the time. And then recognized after a year, another year at the station, like, well, then they eliminated my position again. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So I was like, wow, is this happening? Like, who gets fired from the same TV station twice? Right.
1: Well, and especially if you're bringing in that money, too, for the station
0: you know what it was such i when people are like that was a blessing it really was mm. i mean it gave me a kick in the butt to go you can do this and jp for months leading up to that yeah was like they're going <laughs> to eventually fire you because you're <laughs> basically like you know you're too good at the job like mm. they need somebody who's not going to be as motivated <laughs> right right yeah in essence and uh and he was right and i just wasn't feeling brave enough to to make that leap i'd watched him make that leap in the art world mm-hmm. and was so proud of what he had accomplished. And I just didn't think I had the courage to do it on my own or the discipline. Mm-hmm. Can you share
1: a little bit, too, just on the side note of what you're – Your partner, JP, does?
0: Yeah, he is a force to be reckoned with. And you'll recognize him when you see him with this big black beard (laughs) with a red stripe down the middle. Uh, We walk down the street and people are like, are you a famous wrestler? And I'm like, no, he's a famous artist, actually. (laughs) here's his card? That's (laughs) awesome. So he not only has a line of high-end furniture and art that he creates uh, called Dangerous Color, and he actually was... He did some commissions for the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium here in town, which is really exciting. So in the press room, there's a huge piece that he did, um, exquisitely talented. He works primarily with steel, Mm -hmm. and he also then launched what is now arguably the biggest art collective in the Southeast called Mutiny Artworks. Wow. And so he now rents space to over 130 artists who he – in part, mentors and sort of guides them through making a living as an artist.
1: That is amazing. Yeah.
0: And that so is he's, really cool. he now has segments that he and his amazing production team have produced and they're airing on Georgia Public Broadcasting this month. Oh my so gosh, it's that's so really, exciting! really, really exciting. So yeah, you can go to mutinyartworks, A-R-T-W-R-X uh, dot com and, and click to see the videos too because it's pretty powerful. Oh, cool. It's just I inspiring. Will definitely, yes. He I will continues definitely check to
1: inspire that me. Out. That's awesome. So thanks for that Okay. Book. So sorry yep. about the, the side note, but um, I've seen some of his work, too, and it's just incredible. So I wanted to make sure everyone oh, knew a little bit, too. So you got fired a <laughs> <time>. second time. The second time. And then did it just kind of, from that point, did that kind of take off because you had kind of established a business already through right. the station?
0: And and that was what was so helpful and why I'm so glad that I had that experience, mm. ultimately, and no hard feelings on right. uh, at any level of that because I understood the back end of sales and how mm. airtime in essence is monetized and and I also understood how to sell because it was something that I'd started doing yeah. so I realized well if I could do this for a TV station I can do it for me because right. ultimately that was what I was doing I was selling myself yeah yeah and and that truly when your passion is coming through in what you're talking about, people are going to want to mm-hmm. pay you to represent their product or yeah. their service. Yeah, And so I started doing local segments with sponsored products. So I'd be like, oh, okay, it's a, you know, a tailgating segment and, and I'd have like Anheuser-Busch or Smithfield bacon yeah. and, and they'd sign on, I'd set the price and it started growing from there. And wow. so I was doing these TV shows all over the country and getting paid by brands to incorporate their products and, then realized quickly like there's no way to scale this mm-hmm. because it's just me doing all of the mm. all of the on camera work right and then ultimately recognized well what if i hired 10 parkers to do what i'm doing yeah so that has ultimately been how the business has grown so now the brands who i have relationships with and trust me will then ask for me to in essence, manage an entire campaign now for holiday entertaining, let's say. Yeah. And then I vet the talent and hire them, pay them a talent fee, but I negotiate the deal. Wow. And I realized as much as, you know, in my 20s and 30s, being on TV seemed like the most important job in the world, Mm -hmm. the most glamorous. And any TV reporter who's, you know, been (laughs) staked out at a a crime scene will tell you it ain't glamorous. It is not glamorous, yeah. But, um, But that... That element of wanting to, you know, stay relevant and be on television. I realized that I loved the business side of it hmm. even more. And the sexy side was the negotiating. And hmm. you're talking about the girl who didn't like to have a conversation about getting a raise. Yeah. When I was working for networks. How do you think that you got to that point? I think it comes from... As a friend of mine used to say, like, you've just got to get out and play ball. Mm -hmm. And then once you start having the gravitas of having set a price and, you know, things go wrong sometimes and brands will say, oh, well, you know, you didn't deliver all that messaging. And and you have to really think through how am I going to make this a win for my client but also for me and stay authentic to my brand Mm -hmm. as well. And so – just like any other relationship you've got to develop those boundaries. Hmm. And you know, one I think one of the most important pieces of advice I got years ago, I was working at uh, Gladstone's for Fish in Malibu and I had a manager named Danny and he said whether you're waiting tables, whether you're a doctor, whatever you do in life, the most important thing to be is consistent. And so I recognized that the clients would come back with more work and more projects and bigger projects and bigger budgets when I could consistently deliver what whatever that particular project was hmm. and I find so often I get disappointed or see my friends disappointed in the workforce where you know somebody is over promising and under delivering and you know these are big companies who are relying on delivery and execution and so when you can consistently do that then you'll have to I mean you can start turning away business right right
1: that I love what you said about that because I think for me too a lot of times I'm like I don't want them to not like me or I don't want them to come back and go oh my gosh she just like this is crazy can you imagine what you know she's asking I mean that's just my issue but Oh yeah, because you, you don't want to disappoint people. Right. You,
0: I'm a pleaser by right. nature, mm-hmm. and I tend to probably do more um, at times than you know. I I end up you know over delivering sometimes because I'm so concerned about making sure that everyone's happy and the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed and yeah. everything is perfect. And I know you and I have talked in the past about perfectionist tendencies, mm-hmm. and it's like my Achilles' heel, and also some of part of the best quality that I bring to the table when it's about, you know, yeah. client projects. But ultimately, you've got to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. And when somebody pushes too hard or is asking something that's really, like, above and beyond what you feel comfortable doing, no is the most important word yeah. in the English language. Yeah. And you just say no and stop talking uh-huh. and let them let them respond. Let right. them fill that space with, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I know that that was really... Uh, you know, inappropriate to ask or too much to ask and you got to have boundaries or Mm. people will just keep, whether it's your partner or your mom or your boss, they'll just keep pushing you to do more. Yeah,
1: that's so true. Got to know your limits. great lessons for sure. Okay, so... Your love of cooking, I want to talk a little bit about that and where it all started. Because even in your book, you uh, dedicate it to your grandmother, Ronnie. So tell me a little bit about how your love for cooking came
0: to be. Wow. You know, I had the gift of living with Ronnie um, in 2004 and in 2005 mm-hmm. when I was working as a reporter in Connecticut. And at the time, I was not interested in cooking. I'd never really cooked anything. I'd watched her cook my Mm. entire life. And I think back then, you know, I think back to those times then with her and I'm like, oh my God, if I could have just had that Mm. time now, I could have learned so much more from her because she was, I like to call her the original, the original culinary goddess. (laughs) She was, I mean, I'm practically six feet tall. She was like four foot 10. She was the teeniest, tiniest little lady. And with this huge presence, this big smile, and she was also a big pleaser, and her love language was cooking. And so she actually had a couch in the kitchen. So No way. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. I love that. That is what I want to call the, the <laughs> next know. like level of Parker's Plate. Yes. How it's transformed, it will be like a couch in the kitchen. And to me... I mean, some of my earliest memories are lying on that couch and listening and smelling and Mm. watching all of the things that were going on and all of her pressure cookers. And she'd be, like, juggling them like a culinary maestro, you know. And when we would sit down to dinner, you know, everyone would just be diving into the delicious. And she would just be sitting there at the head of the table and she'd be watching everybody. (laughs) And one time when I was, like, seven, I said, Ronnie, why are you – not eating? Why are you watching everyone eat? And she just said, she called me a darling. She said, someday, darling, you will understand the joy that it is to witness people eating your food and loving it. Mm. And and I always think about that because whether I'm cooking for JP or the the book club in my neighborhood like I did this past weekend, I'm always watching people's reactions. And mm. Ronnie actually had, and I keep this notebook in my pantry next to my most special cookbooks, she actually had a notebook that she would write her menus down, but also the notes. Like, Dr. Roberts wanted more rum in the punch. (laughs) (laughs) Eleanor loved the potatoes, you know? And so it was so great that she was so concerned with how her dinners were executed that that she was – making notes. And she'd mm. jot down recipes and what she would do next time, the flowers that she'd put on the table. I mean, it was amazing. She was the consummate entertainer.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, She is a culinary goddess. Wow. I love that. Yeah. That was so cool. And that was just, so cool. Uh,
0: you know, I think just like music where, you know, you can hear a song and it can immediately transport mm-hmm. you to a moment in time. Mm-hmm. That's how food is too, because mm. that those really sensory primal elements of, of food and flavor really kind of Creates that emotional connection. Mm, that's so
1: cool. I love that story. I, um, my, Meemaw, we call her Meemaw Um, but my Meemaw, she loved to cook and her whole thing though about cooking was just like lots of food so like she could feed the masses, you know like anyone, if they were walking down the street it's like, come in my house, I've got Mm -hmm. food for you you know, Um, and she would always um, make a bunch of stuff, especially when I was in college and whenever I'd visit her, she'd give me these like freezer meals, you know to last for forever and it was just the best thing in the world And, and so So that's where I got my love even from hosting, um, people, um, or entertaining or whatever. And I just, I think that that's so neat to hear those stories behind the love of what you actually do now. Absolutely. And you are bringing joy to people's lives, not only in your, you know, everyday life, but even through your work. So I think that's really cool. One of the things that you mentioned before was, you know, we were talking about passions and, and what you wanted to do. Um, and then you're like, Oh, I, You know, Food Network isn't just going to be like, yes, you're what we've been looking for. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. But you really created a great business plan that coincides with your passion. And I think probably JP has some great insight into this too, you guys as a couple, because it is so hard when you're um, an artist or there's some type of creative uh, passion that you have to figure out how do I make this into a business, you know? So – What are some tips that you would give that you've learned
0: along the way? Well, you know, people always say do what you love and the money will come. And there is truth to that, but you got to do what you love and then figure out a business plan, and then the money will come. And, you know, it's – we were talking earlier um, about – That quote that I read this morning, and it's, you know, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a numbers girl. I have problems setting up an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) I'm like (laughs) – They don't have pretty colors or anything like that. (laughs) Up until I actually had an accountant start doing my finances, like I had the – like – the hand-drawn poster board with sticky stars when I was paying the credit card bills. Like I was like, no, my, my girlfriend no. was like, Pepper, you are like a grown up punky booster. Like <laughs> what is happening? Like, <laughs> How are you managing your life right. like this? Um, you know, I have to have things color coded. So my, it's like, my brain is ADD meets OCD. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a whole lot of crazy. Um, so that said, um, Putting together, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a formal business plan, but understanding, like, what are the true costs? And I wasn't saving receipts. I wasn't really understanding, like, oh, okay, if, if somebody is going to be tasting one spoonful of chili, maybe don't make the entire batch that's going to cost $100. Right. These are things mm. that I didn't think about. Time saving. I mean, I use Instacart now all the time so I can avoid going to the grocery store just yeah. to – so there's there – is only so many. There are only so many hours in the day. So you have to really think about where you're going to be spending your time most. What projects are going to make the most sense? Price it out before you say yes. A lot of times I I say yes. Oh, it's an, it's another project. It's it's a good brand, and and then you look at the mm. take home and you're like, oh, right. Yeah, you know, I should have spent the night waitressing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just. Um, really eye opening when Mm -hmm. like become a numbers person immediately understand what a profit and loss report is it's it's scary and it's intimidating but you know bring people into your life that can just help you understand those things that Mm -hmm. you're not good at and when you're not good at them you don't have to become good at them. You just have to understand them and perhaps hire somebody to do them for right. you mm-hmm. or get the help that you need. Ask questions. Find somebody to mentor you. Mm-hmm. And don't expect that it's just going to you know, take off and, and skyrocket because yeah. even in the midst of, of you know, what arguably people could say are big successes, you can still inside be feeling totally overwhelmed. Mm. I'm like the picture of that right now. Like yeah. All these uh, – it's like st- – you know, good stress, but it's still stress. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, and this is also the challenge with having a partner who is in business for themselves too, you got to be able to step away and not just talk shop. I mean, we are both workaholics. We- didn't have a vacation for two, well, for like seven years when we were really broke. But yeah. for the last two years, we didn't take mm-hmm. a vacation. And that's not good. No. How are you growing as a couple if you're not right. taking some time? Yes. So yes. we just spent, you know, a long weekend in Dallas and a long weekend in San Francisco. And I was technically working one of those days on of each of those long weekends. But... It was like magic, like just mm. getting away and being able to unplug. Yeah. So set a time limit at night. And when you're working for yourself, you're always on the phone and checking the email and making sure that, you know, every A, B, C, D, and E are done. But you got to set time limits because mm. there's a certain point where you're just not going to be productive, A, right. and you're going to seriously be jeopardizing relationships mm. with friends, with family, with kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So true so tell me about your cookbook i mean what were I, i'm just so curious too like what are the challenges of writing a cookbook but and then also what are some of the joys of writing
0: a cookbook well so the cookbook <laughs> in its first sort of rotation was called um a girl's guide to dude food and so this was basically a combination of great recipes And how to get a man and keep a man through cooking. Not in like the Stepford Wife way, but in a really funny like dating story. Oh, I love that. So it was, I think, personally, um, tooting my own horn here, I thought it was funny and well-written and the recipes were awesome. And it was basically like, you know, I went through a period of being single before I met JP and I – You know, people were setting me up with people. I had the whole dating rotation going. And I started an experiment with, like, cooking on the date instead of going to a restaurant. And I recognized very quickly that men are primal creatures. And Mm. they respond to being nourished and nurtured.
1: Yeah. And again,
0: not like some Stepford wife. Sure. But just, you know – I also recognized that there was no distraction. You would have them in your oh, home. Right. You know, maybe not the first date, but sure. you know, when you felt comfortable enough to invite them over. Yeah. And then it was completely all you. Mm. You know, there's not like the hot waitress wasn't right, gonna be a right, distraction, right, right, the ex-boyfriend right. at the bar, all right, of these things happened right. to me at one time oh or another. Gosh. So I shopped this to a literary agent and he signed me up right away. He's like, This is great, the storytelling is good, the recipes are amazing. And he felt really confident that I was going to get published by a big box publisher. Then I heard the now famous line that will potentially be what my memoir will be called. (laughs) And it's called hashtag not famous enough. So Uh. the publishers were like, this is amazing. You're great. We love you. you're not famous enough for us to publish a cookbook. Ugh. But tell us more of those raunchy dating stories and maybe we can get you a book deal. (laughs) You know? And I was like, oh, crap. So I was really bummed out by that. And then that actually – I was joking about getting scooped up by the Food Network. That happened with Food Network too. We love you. You're not famous enough for a show. So more motivation to just figure it out Mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. And – So I had gone through sort of a personal transformation of sorts. I had put on a bunch of weight when I had ended that, you know, um, news station job the first time. Mm -hmm. And then when we were really broke, it was like eating crappy all the time. And just I just wasn't in a good place or a a good schedule of eating. And so I really this was like around 2013. I decided, okay, I got to get myself together and. In full disclosure, there was probably more vanity involved in that than anything else. It's like, I don't want to get healthy. I want to get real thin so right. I can fit into those clothes and look good again. So, um, at that time, what helped me reach my goal weight and then ultimately get into a bikini on television, which was crazy. Wait, what? Yeah. You were
1: on what? Wait. Yeah. You were in a bikini on television? When did this happen?
0: Yeah. This was about four years ago. Again, oh motivation. Gosh. Like I need a deadline and I yeah. need like a vanity motivator <sighs> at times to to get it, you know, to right. get myself uh, on track. And so I lost four. I had put on 40 pounds and lost the 40 pounds. Wow. And so that for me, what worked was like a ketogenic low carb okay. style diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took time. It wasn't just like a quick fix. Yeah. But um, ultimately, people would ask for those recipes all the time. Well, what is low-carb? And this is before keto was sort of a, sure. you know. A trendy trendy thing. Trending yeah. word, yeah. <laughs> and so I was – I just knew that I would never keep the weight off if I was eating like a diet, you mm-hmm. know, diet food, diet recipes without flavor, without fat. And I'm like, okay, you know, I got to figure out what's going to work for me. Right. So I started experimenting with – you know, I love potatoes. French fries are like, if if I had to have one last thing to eat, it would be French fries dipped in tartar sauce. Okay. like (laughs) I don't need the filet. I don't need the chocolate eclair. I just want French fries with tartar sauce. Thanks. So I'm a carb girl. I love those things, but you know, you can't have French fries on a low carb diet. So I started work like Experimenting with celery root, and you can shave it, uh, grate it, and it can be like hash browns, or mash it, and it's like potatoes, Ooh. like mashed potatoes. Yeah, because I hate cauliflower. I just I can't do cauliflower. <laughs> You're not
1: into the cauliflower pizza craze nah. right now. Yeah. No, <laughs> I lived
0: I lived on cauliflower and camel lights in my twenties. Right, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to nah. go there again. So, th- so those recipes were inspired by what truly worked for me, mm-hmm. and since I knew that I wasn't going to get published, yeah. By a big box publisher, I'm like, well, screw it. I'm going to do it myself and figure that out. And so I hired a friend who did all the formatting since, you know, not only can I not do an Excel spreadsheet, but I can't do, you know, a fancy digital form, you know, format either. So I hired somebody to do that and I just self published it. Wow. And here's the thing I did self publish it. It's, you know, I was really proud of it and I still am. But ultimately now, just like in your intro, published author, Parker Mm -hmm. Wallace. Well, the average person doesn't have to know that I did it myself. Yeah. Not that there's anything to be ashamed of. Right. But, you know, to get booked on a TV show, it's a lot bigger chance that they're going to say yes when you say, oh, I'm um, a published author. Yeah. Hmm.
1: yeah. That's great. So, I like that. again,
0: it's, sometimes it's just all about the optics mm-hmm. and the perception. And I totally stand behind those recipes. I, right. Too bad for, you know, those New York publishers who didn't say yes. but Right. Yeah. And, again, you also – the other thing is you're controlling – the execution of everything Mm -hmm. and you're not having somebody say, well, we want to sanitize this a little bit more and make it more like this or we need you to be more like Jada or we need you to be more like whatever. You can just be you and put that content out there and people Mm. will respond. I love that. Control
1: your own brand. Yeah. I I really do like that. Big time. So tell me, what is it like the tip or recipe from your cookbook that you use the most?
0: I think it really goes back to flavor and you know because it was you know eat rich stay skinny a girl's guide to holiday feasting that was really more about you know you don't feel like you've got to you know you're not going to put on the 10 pounds over christmas or over thanksgiving if you are eating in this style and it doesn't have to be diet food so Mm -hmm. it's all about like experimenting with flavor and and taking some risks Mm -hmm. with food that you might not have even thought you'd like right and it might surprise you
1: Yeah, like celery
0: root. Yeah, like celery root.
1: I am totally digging. I'm going to dive into that. (laughs) And the other thing now is
0: like, you know, I probably wouldn't use that title now if I was redoing Mm. the cookbook. Because when I was mentioning that vanity was the big motivator, well, now over 40, the health element really has Mm. to be. Yes. And so So you may be fitting into the skinny jeans, but... You know, I just found out my cholesterol is a little too high and I don't have enough vitamin D. I have a vitamin D deficiency. So it's now so much more about really um, fueling your body in a way where you're going to be nourished in a healthy way. And you're going to have some longevity and not just in front of the camera, but for your kids, for your dogs, for your partner. And, you know, it's never too late to really make some of those changes to really kind of feel better about you from a healthy standpoint
1: right okay so along the healthy lines what do you have like a go-to summer salad that you love to do because I love salads I mean like I'm like salad girl but (laughs) sometimes I'm like okay I have so many salads that I get tired of the same thing now see I've always
0: been the anti-salad girl (laughs) I'm like don't give me salad blah Meh. I want a burger. I yeah. want bacon jam. Yeah. So, um, like, one of my recipes uh, is I call it the man salad, and it's like grilled romaine with like a bacony, blue cheesy, oh sour gosh. creamy, hot bacon dressing. It's crazy.
1: My husband would love that. Yeah.
0: But you can't eat like that all the time, yeah. right? So, um, I love cheese. Mm-hmm. And again, Got to have all these things in moderation. Right. And moderation is not my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Excess. Um, so one of my favorite summer salads is either the the classic caprese with the tomato mm. and the fresh mozzarella and getting that really good mozzarella is key. Mm-hmm. With the fresh basil, I like to put it on skewers. I just posted oh. a couple pictures um, from uh, – a live facebook video that i did yesterday and so i took the skewer and i put the cherry tomatoes and the little balls of fresh mozzarella with the basil and i may have put a couple pieces of bacon on there too because <laughs> the smokiness of Let's that bacon is really good with the little bit of the cheese and the yeah. freshness the pop of fresh basil but also watermelon salads so mm. chopping up watermelon with some crushed marcona almonds and some of those cherry tomatoes yeah. and some tarragon, which is oh. like sort of like the hotter sister to basil. Okay. It's like she's a little spicier and i will get a little bit more kick to her. Okay. So I add that to the salad and then just a real simple vinaigrette, like just whisking some huh. lemon or some grapefruit juice into some olive oil with a little bit of kosher salt. That's it. Drizzle it on, and it's just fresh. So eating seasonally Mm -hmm. is—that's the other piece of advice that I always like to give Mm -hmm. because there's so many great like fresh fruits going on right now and fresh veggies that really it doesn't feel like um, you're having to you know just eat a salad.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's
0: actually full of flavor.
1: I love love watermelon so much. Oh my gosh, so great! And you can grill it too. I've never had grilled watermelon. It's crazy. What do you do? Do you just put like? Like, how how do you do it? Yeah, you (laughs) just,
0: like, cut it into, a you know, a triangle like you would – like you'd be sitting on the, you know, the porch and eating it uh, like I did as a kid. Um, Yeah, brush it with a little bit of olive oil. Okay. And then just – Put put it down on the grill and let it sit for a couple minutes and wow. it'll have those beautiful char marks and get a little smoky. And then what I like to do is add a little bit of chopped prosciutto and a little bit of gorgonzola and then a balsamic glaze just drizzled Stop on top. Stop
1: it. It's oh my gosh. decadent. My stomach is growling right now <laughs> as you're telling me about this. So I don't know if we should continue on, but I do want to ask you, what is like a quick weeknight meal that you love to, to make?
0: So... I've just discovered this recipe and I've I've done a couple different versions of it and you know people always ask like how do you make chicken juicy because mm. it's so it's so, so easy to dry out is, and yeah. chicken is such an easy and affordable way to have a mm-hmm. good weeknight meal or when you're entertaining. So if you get a chicken at the grocery store and people will always say you know do you eat organic? Not you know not always yeah. you don't always have time yeah. or Frankly, for years, I didn't have the money to eat organically. Sure. So you want to go to a grocery store or a butcher that has good quality meats for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So you get a chicken that's cut up. Okay. So skin on, bone in. So you have the drumsticks, you've got the thighs, you've got the breasts, and the legs. Okay. And then if you take like two cups of buttermilk or yogurt, okay, which is a great tenderizer for chicken. Oh. And in a blender, pop in – you know, a cup of basil, a garlic clove, some lime, and the zest of one lime, mm-hmm. so delicious. Mm. Some salt, and I like to add in a little tarragon too sometimes, <laughs> whatever, but whatever, really whatever, basil. <laughs> whatever you have on hand really, and blend it together. You get this like green goddess type dressing. So yeah. set like a cup aside or half okay. a cup aside for later. And then you're going to put all of that chicken into a ziploc or into a Tupperware container, just marinating in yeah. that in that um, liquid for up to 24 hours, and then just wipe off the marinade. Set your oven to 500. Sounds like it's going to be too hot. Really, 500 for about 30 to 40 minutes. Just keep your eye on it. Okay, and it is amazing. Whoa. And it – like the skin gets really browned. Make sure you're wiping that marinade off so the chicken skin Mm -hmm. is a little drier. Um, But the chicken itself does not come out dry. It is like juicy and tender and then you pour that extra marinade that you saved. Yeah. Don't take the marinade from the raw chicken. You don't want to do that. (laughs) Don't use that (laughs) as the sauce. Um, And it is just like so easy and no fail. Oh, my gosh. No this
1: is seriously, I feel like this is like food porn. This is making my stomach like, growl. <laughs> okay, so um, what is your favorite appetizer? Would it be the caprese salad as well? That's Did I say one that right? Caprese? Caprese. Jada would say caprese. Caprese. And she'd also say Caprice, masa, mozzarella, mozzarella,
0: ricotta.
1: But who needs another diata, right? right? We got Parker here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so another appetizer, um, and again, this is a really easy one. Um, I just served this actually over the weekend. Any grocery store, mushrooms, and I t- try to save time. Like if I have time to chop them up, great. If not. Whatever. Get yeah. them already chopped. Yeah. So like portobello mushrooms chopped up and shiitakes are really earthy mm. and they've got a really great flavor. So sauteing those in a little bit of butter and a touch of olive oil until you – they call it sweating the mushrooms mm. and um, – Basically, like because they're so dense with water, you want to sauté them until they're a little bit browned and all that water kind of comes out of them. So they'll be – they're not going to be soggy. Mm -hmm. And then once they're sautéed, add in some shallots. And I like shallots over onions because it's a little bit more of a mild flavor. Yeah. Uh, They just tend to – they don't have that like, oh, that's an onion bite. Yes. You know, it's just a little bit more subtle. Mm -hmm. And they're smaller too. Yeah. So – and you can add in a couple garlic cloves. I always make the – do the mushrooms first so you're not burning the garlic or burning Mm. the shallots. Medium heat, whatever. So you got the mushrooms. You got the garlic. You got the shallots. Then you take about a cup – sorry, half a cup to quarter cup of sherry, not the sherry cooking wine Go to the actual wine section oh. and get the bottle of sherry. Is
1: that because the flavor is
0: better? Because the- Yeah, and there's more alcohol in it. Oh, and again, you're okay. not going to be like, wow, I got a buzz All those right. mushrooms. <laughs> it's going to be like – Mushrooms and a buzz. <laughs> it's just going to have so much better flavor because yeah. the cooking wine, it's, it's like, I don't know, very small percentage of actual alcohol. Mm. So you get the actual sherry also yeah. with Marsala. Okay, okay and then you cook that down, you add a splash of cream and and it kind of like holds it all together, and then pop that onto some cristini. I like to put a little whipped bourson cheese. Again, you're not whipping it yourself. Right. Just getting it at the grocery store. Or cream cheese could work, or goat cheese. Okay. Put it on the cristinis and then top it with that mushroom deliciousness with a little bit of tarragon not tarragon <laughs> stuck on the tarragon wow she puts wow. on everything <laughs> time time is the redheaded stepchild of tarragon no i'm just kidding so just a little bit of time because it's earthier and okay. it kind of goes with that whole like uh-huh. um mushroom flavor i i'm embarrassed to say that i was actually doing a tv segment recently and the anchor's like oh the umami flavor and i'm like umami what is that a sushi roll what yeah. is that <laughs> I'm like, I- I was not even i'm so like not up on current terms apparently right. i'm like oh that's a mushroom <laughs> like that's the <laughs> new term like remember, when, remember when people would be like you need more acid in this dressing you oh, like right. really yeah oh lemon juice oh, you mean right that acid and okay, and now it. people are like uh-huh. oh you need oh it's yeah. the umami flavor and it's that's actually just a fancy word for the mushroom mushrooms. flavors oh, my yeah goodness. earthy great <laughs> So, Sheesh. so yeah it's the perfect umami topping okay on well, your to that sounds really really good i love that and i
1: love mushrooms mm, i love them so much well parker thank you so much for joining us for the podcast i feel like i could talk to you Are we done already and i know i know um but i you know first of all i really think you guys should follow parker not only just for her recipes but also we were talking about this before and we should have just been rolling too when we were talking about it but Parker is that type of person that you're just with and you feel inspired after you walk away from talking with her and she has created such a great business and I love her story. I love, you know, the fact that she was fired twice and she is still continued to build this business. And I know that she will continue to build it even better. And, um, so I think you should follow her not only for her recipes, but just to see, you know, how she ma- continues to marry this passion in business. So if they want to follow you, if they want to get your uh, cookbook, then how can they do that? Well, thank you so
0: much. Yeah. Um, that's just a beautiful, you make me cry. Aww. um, so you can follow me on social media on um, Parker's Plate. It's at Parker's Plate on Instagram, Twitter, and I'm not really a tweeter. Twitter, yeah, me neither. Twitterer. Yeah, um, a tweeter. And, uh, and then you can go to my website, parkersplate.com. There's a link to order the cookbook there, or you can just go to Amazon. Okay. And it's called Eat Rich, Stay Skinny, A Girl's Guide to Holiday Feasting. But it's more than just holiday food. It's food
1: for any time. Yeah awesome okay well i'm inspired i'm gonna make several things today and i'm gonna put tarragon in every single one tarragon (laughs) everything
0: and buttermilk it's it's
1: like that commercial (laughs) tarragon i put that bleep on everything (laughs) (laughs) i think i got treated for that in college (laughs) i love it well thank you so much parker i appreciate it thank you
0: (laughs) as a georgia peach she loves pleasing people so she wants to know how she can improve the show So let her know either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Heidi Rue. Also be kind because she's my wife. And if she has a bad day, then I'm really going to hear about it.